instead of saying, well, my relationship is like this because of X, Y, Z, or I'm in this situation because of X, Y, Z, I just say I'm in this situation. It just is. And then I just stop. It's like a wall. It just is. And you can change it. Hey, everybody, Emily Abadi here coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to episode 207 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode 207, I am bringing back my friend, Louisa Nicola. She is a neuroscientist. She's also the founder of NeuroAthletics. If you missed her hurdle moment last week, all about the glymphatic system, you have got to check it out. And if you caught it, then you have a sneak peek into the world of intellect and knowledge bombs that Louisa is going to drop on us for episode 207. Louisa was born and raised in Australia. She flew to Los Angeles for a work opportunity early in her career. And in today's episode, she talks about how that Los Angeles trip turned into a Los Angeles brief stay, which turned into a trip over to New York. And well, she really hasn't left much since. She gives us the lowdown on how a slew of awesome and fun opportunities turned into her creating her dream job and how grateful and excited she was to hit the ground running here in New York, thanks in part to some kindness from the help of some new friends. Louisa talks to us all about what she does over at NeuroAthletics, how she works with some of the best players in the NBA, the MLS, and NHL to enhance peak brain performance. And what that means, how someone maybe like you and I can also go after our greatest potential. She gets honest about the hurdles that she's faced as an entrepreneur, the excitement she feels about working her way into a new chapter for her business, and sheds some light on topics like sleep and productivity. I really, really loved this conversation with Louisa. I'm so excited to bring it to the feed. And trust me, you're probably going to want your notes app open for this one. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you haven't done so yet, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The link to do that is in the show notes. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down once again with Louisa Nicola. She's a clinical neuroscientist, high performance coach, and host of the Neuro Experience Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. I am amped to have you here. I felt like as soon as we met IRL, was it last month? Yeah. I've like lost all track of time. The Whoop Intimate Dinner. <laughs> the Whoop Intimate Dinner. It was so good. And I was just like, wow, I need to rank this woman's brain and hear her entire story because I knew <laughs> in my brief moment with you, as enamored as I was, that my audience, the hurdlers, would feel the same way. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. So listening to your angelic voice, you're not from here. You grew up in Australia. Yes. And Again, I said this last week on Wednesday's episode, but being a neuroscientist is like a very impressive title. So when you were younger, mm. did you think, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? I was a, I, I, I was a different person as a, as a, <laughs> a, the only thing that really stays true today is that I was an entrepreneur when I was about six years old. I was selling uh, on the black market at school. I was selling, uh, we have these Red frogs, they're a famous Australian candy. And I was, if you bought five of them at the at the canteen, it was like, I don't know, 80 cents. And I thought, well, what if I can sell five? 
to people for like 50 cents. And so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was I was doing crazy things like that. Would you just buy them in bulk at like the Australian version of Costco? I did. And my parents <laughs> actually uh, owned the Australian version of Costco. So I was getting them for free. So I didn't actually have to pay for them. So it was a win-win. I was just, I was just profiting. Just profiting. Yeah. I love this. So entrepreneurial from a young age, this mm. carries over with you as you grow up. You eventually must decide that you are interested in pursuing some avenue of medicine. Yeah. So it started, um, I was a swimmer all throughout school. Um, all Australians are swimmers. Let's just uh, call it spade a spade. <laughs> um, and then at around 17 years old, I entered a triathlon. I didn't really know too much about it, um, but I trained for six weeks. I thought, well, I know how to ride a bike. I can run and I can swim. Ended up coming first. Um, and that was just by chance. And I got picked up by a an Australian triathlon coach. This was when I was 17. Like this was back when triathlon wasn't a thing, you know, so it was really odd. It was like people are like, what are you, what are you doing? So I did that and I ended up training. I started training, you know, 40 plus hours a week. And that was my entire goal. I just wanted to be the world's best triathlete. Did you have uh, out of the three modalities a favorite? Yes, it was swimming. I was first out of the water for swimming. You never hear that. Oh, yeah, I loved it. Um, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm not tiny, so my, I'm not small and I was never built small. So running was always my downfall. I would always, I'd be first out of the water and then I'd be in the mid pack for, for cycling. And then as soon as I got off the bike, I was like, <laughs> I was all the way behind. So <laughs> oh. it was never going to work out for me. Oh man. So you get into triathlon, mm -hmm. you excel at triathlon. And then what happens? I was, well, excelling at triathlon, I was obsessed. I needed to know everything about how do I become the best triathlete. So I started studying cell biology. I started studying my brain. I started studying everything that it took, like literally physiology, exercise physiology. And I thought, I want to go and study exercise physiology. So I did. I actually became a, a high school teacher because I thought this is the best way for me to train and work out. So graduated, I was what? I graduated early at age 20. And after competing, I was reaching my end. I ended up getting hit by a car. Um, this was four weeks before going to Beijing. So I qualified for Beijing back in 2011. I got hit by a car and that was the end of my career, actually. So where were you when you got hit by the car? I was in Australia. We were doing an 80-kilometer ride. And at the 40-kilometer turnaround point, um, that's when the car hit me and slammed me up against a guardrail. So I broke several bones and obviously couldn't compete in Beijing. And my parents had a serious conversation. They're like, listen what are you going to do now with your life? And that's when I literally, I, I called it quits. And I thought I need to study the brain. I need to study what's happening inside my own brain. What was the injury like for you after the accident? Uh, I broke two ribs, clavicle. I did my ACL, MCL, LCL. I think that was pretty much it. So I did have surgery on the knee. Yeah. Do you experience complications with any of that to this day? To this day, yes. I have constant issues. I'm literally at my my therapist like every second week. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I hope that you sued them. <laughs> literally. It was a, it was the worst <laughs> time of my life, but it was also a blessing because I like being a triathlete as a woman is really hard and I know you've experienced you're a marathon runner and to put your entire life on hold. I didn't drink. I had I, you know, I don't drink that much now. I didn't drink. You know, I had many failed relationships because I could never go out. It was just, a, I didn't eat sugar. I was 40 pounds lighter than what I am now. So it wasn't, I don't think it was the best career path for me. Okay. So you decide you're going to invest all of this energy that you have now mm -hmm. into this career pivot. But I would imagine despite being excited about the subject matter, mm. that pivot couldn't have been easy. No, no. It was, I equate it as in going through a divorce. Mm. I had to divorce the sport. It hurt me so much. And my teammates became my best friends. And they, you know, some of them still are. We literally we ate together, we trained together, we worked together, we did everything together. So I had to, it was all in or nothing. And people say to me now, are you going to do another triathlon? I'm like, no, no. I, it, it's just too much for me. But I did, look, I did get a lot from it. I competed, you know, at a national level. I was top three in Australia. It was, yeah. One of the hardest parts about getting injured is that loss of community that you just spoke about, like yeah. not 
showing up to the run that happens on Saturday mornings Mm -hmm. or going to the group thing because you're not going to be the one that gets on the bike and joins for the ride. Did you find ways to stay engaged with that community or did you feel like it was better for you not to? You know, I went through massive changes. I I discovered alcohol. Yeah. I um I went on a huge trip to Europe with my friends and it I discovered food. You know, it it's wild and so my entire life changed. But one thing that stood clear was I was obsessed with the human body. And I knew what it was capable of, especially as a woman. I knew that I there was something more to explore. And I was just like I said, when I saw a brain for the first time, because we go into cadaver labs, when I saw a brain for the first time, I had this feeling inside me. I, I can't explain. It was like a it's my I call it my first love. <laughs> yeah. Just the idea of seeing an actual physical human brain yeah. like totally gives me the shakes. <laughs> yeah. Like we got to cut one up. And, you know, I always say that um, it's the love of my life because it's never let me down. Um, we only argue once a month. Um, <laughs> and it's been the, it's been the, the greatest uh, relationship that I've ever had. That you've ever had. Also, in this hurdle moment period for you adapting and making this pivot, Did you struggle with going from a very active lifestyle to a less active lifestyle and perhaps some of the the body image issues that can come with that? Massively. You know what? It was always trying to fit in. I was always trying. So then I had to find new friends. So my... My triathlon friends knew me. We we were the exact same. They also didn't want to go out. And we were just reading the same things and talking about the same things. Then I started to migrate into another group that didn't exercise. You know, they just you know wanted to go out like normal people. And I'm like, well, I can't. You know, I can't drink if we go out. And they're like, why? I was like, oh, that's true. I can. I'm not getting up tomorrow. So it was just such a different experience. And reintroducing carbs you know going out with my family and family functions and now I can eat it was a real big I know it sounds ridiculous I wasn't starving myself but it was just I didn't have to monitor anything yeah very different so when you make the pivot what Mm. do you decide that you're going to do in terms of schooling I thought I need to study science or I need to study medicine and that's exactly what I did so finished my career as a quote unquote high school teacher um, and then moved straight into medicine at Sydney University and I still didn't know what I wanted there was always something more for me I'm I'm that type of person that is I could never be a full-time employee you know I couldn't I always wanted to just keep achieving keep getting better and showing people that they can take control of their lives if they understand their brain so I knew that but I needed to get the the credentials or the certification I also needed to understand more about it myself so I literally wanted to go through and understand everything in the body Mm. from the core cell biology all the way up to how we see things and how we perceive things which when you lay it out like that it seems quite overwhelming at least to me to think about how much there is to learn about the body Oh, you've got no idea. It's um, it's just, it's insane. <laughs> so upon understanding that this was your desire, when do you make the decision that the brain is 100% where it's at? So it was a real special time. I, um, I knew I didn't want to give up on this elite athleticism world. I loved soccer. Um, I'm Greek. My parents were born and raised in, in Cyprus. Um, so we, we have a a love for European soccer. So I loved soccer and I loved sport. And I knew back then, this is, let's think about 2014. Okay. This was the birth of neuroathletics. People weren't talking about mindset. They weren't talking about the brain. We had sports psychologists and I had a lot of friends, okay, who were soccer players. And there was this one soccer player in Australia. He played for Australia and he said, why don't you come and do like a, a mindset kind of workout with us or you know talk to us about my and I thought why can't I talk to you about the brain he didn't understand what I was talking about and when I went there he said to me he goes hey we need to invoice you for your time and I said okay and he goes do you have a business I said yes I do I actually didn't so I went home and I got online and I created what you guys call an LLC Mm -hmm. and I thought what am I going to call my business and it was literally I, I loved athletics 
and I loved neuroscience. It was literally the intersection and that's how I created it. And that's when I went out and I started just doing these workshops with people. And it was about how can I teach people that the brain is the hardware and the mind is the software. And that's how I started. Yeah. And I love hearing, knowing your backstory and knowing that when you were young, you were extremely entrepreneurial because that would be the next question that I would ask typically Mm. is, did you, were you surrounded by, you know, an entrepreneurial spirit from a young age or where do you think that came from for you that when you got older, you of course were like, yes, I have a business. Yeah. It's because my parents, I'm going to have to go into some, uh, to, to some backstory and history here. So my grandparents flew, you know, from, oh, they didn't fly actually, they got on a ship from Cyprus. They landed in Australia and they started a fish and chip shop. So this is what we do um, as Greeks. We start businesses. So my entire life, we didn't know anything else. It's always, my parents have always been in business. And then they started a company. My grandfather started a company called Babina, which was a food wholesaler. Um, And I just was around it from a young age. My brother started his own company. My cousins did. I never knew really what it would be like to be an employee. So from, like I said, from a young age, I was always thinking about, Oh, imagine if I did this for someone, then they would pay me. Oh, imagine what I could do in exchange for money for my time. So it was always just about how can I provide a service to somebody and in exchange get money. Right. Yeah. And so when you were like, yes, I have a business, where did you at first decide what your rates could be for something like that? I just spat out a number and he said, okay. So it's funny. So we have an Australian version of Lululemon. It's called Lorna Jane. I don't know if it's even in America. Yeah, I think we have it here. I went. To it's the- definitely in California. Okay. I went to the store. <laughs> Someone's listening to this in LA and they're like, yes, it's in California, Emily. Uh, I went to the store and I asked them, I said, hi, my name, this was 2015. I said, hi, my name is Louisa. Um, I do mindset workshops. Would you mind if I put one on here? And they're like, oh, this is great. We would love that. So I literally did. And around 30 women turned up. And then at the end of it, I scribbled down on a piece of paper. I said, write your name and number, anybody who wants to come and do some private workshops with me. And I ended up getting a list of 10. I called them all up the next day and seven of them said yes. And I just said, great, the workshop is for four weeks and it's $1,500. And those seven people said yes. I was like, where am I going to do this now? You know, so (laughs) that's, uh, I just... I still believe in doing that. I still believe in just putting anything out there Mm -hmm. and the rest will come. Lean startup method, lean startup method. You know, that's also so interesting, the moment where you throw something into the wind and see if it sticks, Mm. because really the worst thing that could happen is that you tried, right? Well, the worst thing that can happen, I honestly believe, is they say no. And then I go, well, okay, move on to the next person. Exactly. Yeah, there's no fear. Right. It's well, the next person or the next thing. Yeah. Like if that idea didn't work, it wasn't as though you didn't have, you know, more tricks up your sleeve. And when you say that you went in there and ran that type of clinic, what did that look like? So I put together a four week curriculum, if you will, on how to build a like a getting to peak performance so you can excel in business, in life, in relationships and I put together a four-week course and I literally gave the education and the tools so these people could better themselves every day. And we started working and implementing things such as what are you eating? How are you waking up in the morning? Morning routines were the best, night routines. So we literally came up with a curriculum. Right, right. There's so many people listening right now that would 100% dive into this. Do you have Mm. resources on your website for that? Yes, uh, well, 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 you must keep listening because we will not let you know about the website until the end of this. So don't fast forward. You have to learn more about your potential teacher. <laughs> but we will provide you with all the information that you need in case you want to learn more and hack your personal performance. Okay, uh, clearly a successful businesswoman from the get-go. So you're doing this. The Australian version of Lululemon, Lorna Jean, is mm-hmm. your first jumping off point. But yeah. then you take off from there. Yeah. So let's let's go from there, okay? And then I went into a job, okay? I was hired as a sales girl, okay, okay. at Australia's largest uh, or fastest growing company. Okay? It was very much Wolf of Wall Street. 
So this was at the exact same time as Lululemon. Someone just hired me. I had no idea what sales were, but I got picked out of a hundred people. I went to the, yeah, I actually went to the onboarding and you go through, it was like an entire week and they picked me. And when I was sitting there, there was a hundred of us and they gave us a task and they said, okay, everybody needs to get in groups of five and you need, they gave us blocks. And they, if I remember back then, they said, you guys need to build blocks to become, you know, th this is your business and tell us we want the fastest growing business. And people were just putting blocks on blocks on blocks on blocks. And I thought, well, if everyone's got the same amount of blocks and how are we going to, how are we going to be better? So I took my tower from my group and I went right at when the buzzer went, I placed it on the next person. And the owner of the company said, you, what's your name? And I said, Louise, he goes, why did you do that? And I said, well, joint ventures. I said, we're going to build a, you know, we'll build more revenue if we you know, combine our strategies. And they hired me. And on my first day, I said, what am I doing here? And he goes, well, you've been hired as as sales. And that was where I learned entrepreneurship. So this was a, we were selling programs, 12-month programs for early stage business owners who were doing anywhere from half a million to 5 million. And this company was putting them through a 12-month entrepreneurial process from how to build your business from scratch. <laughs> So I learned that entire process. I was also the the top performer of sales for 12 months in a in a room full of men. There was I was the only woman, only female um, salesperson, so I learned sales and entrepreneurship. And after 12 months where you were like my work is done here, it's time to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, it was a very it wasn't just a normal 12 months. This was a wolf of Wall Street. They like every time we made a sale, they would there was one time where they hired like farm animals to come in and be crazy it was a yeah go and watch that movie um <laughs> oh that God. was a type of um experience i was uh i was in and that's how i built my business i came to america and i saw there is a place for me in this city there was not a place for me in australia australia is 10 years behind the american market okay so came to new york city jaws brought me here for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode i mentioned that um one girl reached out to me and said can we hire you for a workshop and that was julie jaws nelson she helped me i always tell i told her like she she's the you know she was the catalyst she brought me to the city she got me into the fitness industry here and she also gave me a home i said i don't know where i'm going to stay and she said i can't let you go back to australia she said, so you're going to stay at my place. Oh, my yeah, God. For free. Oh. Yeah, it makes my, like, I am, it, it's very emotional when you think about that. So she gave me her apartment. I stayed for three months. I mean, it's so insane when you take a step back and think about that story and what a profound impact that this woman that, like, didn't know you very well mm. at all was no. like, let me do this for you. It doesn't yeah. need to be something as grandiose as as grandiose as offering someone your home, but even the smallest thing that you can do for someone else out of the kindness of your own heart can literally make the world of difference. If it wasn't for her, I don't think I would be here. She literally put me on a subway and she said, this is how you catch a train in New York. She took me to class with her. Um, I was there when she was part of the, she wasn't part of Rumble at that time. It was a different place. I also met um, Jess Sims back in that day and she helped me and, and Jeremiah. I say these names because they, these people really were the start. I had no, I didn't even know what New York was. I didn't <laughs> even know what it was. I just knew it from Sex and the City. So that was the start of it. And that's when I knew there is something here. So what did the foundations of building your business in New York look for you at that time? I mean, I would imagine there was a lot of running around and a lot more of throwing things at the wall and hoping that they stick. Well, I had to see a product to market fit. So I had to hone in on, do I want to work with athletes? And athletes is a very broad spectrum. So I thought, I'm going to just work with NFL and NBA athletes. NFL because of the concussion crisis, NBA because I really think that I could make a dent in the optimization space. So I started my podcast. This was back in 20, 2016 when I moved or 2017, actually September 2017. Started the podcast just as a way to get my information out there. And I kept getting asked, but Louisa, what is the service that you provide? And it was literally consulting. I said, let me just come in and consult to the teams. Let me just come in and talk to you about better brain health, mm. you know, 
that's all I wanted to do. So that was just literally, I was just going for it and then doing the podcast and just going for it. And, and that's all I've been doing, just been focusing on perfecting my program so I can get better results for my players on game day. Because I had this theory, I thought if these players are working to their best, you know, when, when we think about how do we get better, we always just look at the body. We say, well, we need to train a bit more. We need to get faster. Uh, we need to be, our shooting accuracy needs to be better. But we don't realize that shooting accuracy comes from the brain. Okay. Reaction time, speed, information processing speed, this all lives in the brain. So that's the, that's what I wanted to deliver to these athletes. Yeah. Uh, that Someone listening to this can hear you say, I knew I wanted to work with NBA and NFL yeah. teams. And then their next question would be, how did you get in? You know, I get asked that often. And I'm literally a girl from Australia who had nothing in this. I'm When I say nothing, I didn't even didn't have a social I just I now have a social security but <laughs> I didn't have a banking I did not know anything and I just I just turned up I turned up to Gary V's office one day uh, back in I saw him on YouTube um, and I turned up to his office and I walked in and the security guard said do you have an appointment I said no and Gary came down and I grabbed Gary I said listen I've come all the way from Australia I've walked tw- I walked eight miles to get to his uh, to get to his office. It was beaming hot. It was the middle of July and he invited me up to his office and we got talking and he gave me a business strategy session. He was the one that told me to, to start my podcast. <laughs> yeah. So when I say that I turn up to places, I will literally find out who the coach is of that place and I will turn up there in a non-stalking manner. Has this ever yeah. worked out in a negative way for you? <laughs> no, actually no one has said no just yet or, or called the cops or anything. It's remarkable, right? I mean, it goes back to the idea of what's the worst thing that could happen, right? That's what I kept saying. And I had nothing to lose when you're not, you know, I wasn't like this, this relentless in Australia because it's like I knew everyone is like, mm, if I do do this, this, someone could find out. A bit. But here I knew no, so if, if I got literally smacked in the face or bad mouth, it'd be like, well, I'll just go back to Australia, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, um, you know, this could explain why, um, 100% or 98% of my clientele is men. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's worked out for me. And I've got to tell you, it hasn't been easy. Nothing has been given to me. I have I've knocked on doors. I've done anything I could to get there. And I'm still I'm still working. What would you say the most challenging part of upkeeping your businesses right now? So we've migrated into a new area and that's Wall Street. And this comes from about 18 months ago, somebody, one of my NBA players put me in touch with his portfolio manager. And he said, you know, he goes away, can you just go and talk to him? I'm like, what do you want me to talk to him about? He goes, he's really stressed. I know he goes, you, you just go and talk to him. I'm like, okay. So I, you know, I started speaking with this man. So he's a, he's got 50 billion under asset management. So he's a, a portfolio manager. He's responsible. He's got many traders under his belt. And he said, Louisa, I, I've had a decline in my performance. And I said, how so? He said, I don't know. Something's wrong with me. I don't know what I'm doing. So I said, okay, I said, I'm going to do a brain scan. So I, I forgot to tell you that uh, one of the biggest things that we have at NeuroAthletics, we have a hospital grade EEG. Hmm. So we actually do brain scans on all of our athletes. So there's no lies in what we do. So when we upgrade their brain performance, we literally do a map of their brain. So I did that for this for this gentleman and his brain looks he was he's 49 or he was back then and his brain looked 65 years old mm. so this map puts you on a normative database and it says to you well this is what a brain of a 49 year old person should look like and he was aging his brain was literally aging and so we i said the reason why you're having a decline in your information processing speed in your reaction time and your decision making is because your brain is aging at an accelerated rate and that's scary because he was he was doing so many wrong things. He was drinking his worries away, being, you know, abusive to his wife and he had kids and it was just, it was a mess. It was a mess because of his brain. So we literally put him on. He's still with us today. And that was the catalyst into Wall Street because he's like, he goes, you need to work with all of my traders. 
I was like, okay. So I started working with them and then word caught on. And now I'm now neuroathletics is in two spaces. We are in the athletic space and we are now in the financial space. And that's huge. Yeah. That's very a, huge. Yeah. And like two, as you're getting at here, like different, but extremely high stress exactly. professions. Yeah. That's why. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up, Gooder. Now it is that time of year. The sun is out. I feel summer. It is coming. And that means that there is no better time to treat yourself or a friend to a new pair of sunglasses. I absolutely love my Gooders. I've loved them since my first pair arrived a few years ago. I love how they are both stylish and functional. I never have to worry about them falling or slipping, whether I'm on a long bike ride or sprinting around the track or just trying to run and catch the subway to handle some errands over in the city. My go-to style is called Operation Blackout, but they have shapes and sizes for every taste. Trust me, starting at $25, these are a no-brainer for your summer style. Head on over to gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle to get 15% off your order today using the code HURDLE15 at checkout. Again, that is gooder.com slash hurdle. Get 15% off your order today and snag some stylish sunnies for yourself. Also want to give some love to my sponsor at Inside Tracker. When you do what you love, like running, racing, or enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. And Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you and offer you science backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. It's been so, so helpful for me to fuel me to go after my big goals, which ebb and flow all of the time. Inside Tracker tracks your progress every single day, every single step of the way toward reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store over at insidetracker.com slash hurdle. Again, that web address, insidetracker.com slash hurdle. Get 20% off the entire store today. The next natural question is Mm. when, after this initial brain scan, Mm. and you start to work with people and you start talking about these key metrics or these key benchmarks that you want to home in on so that they can be more of a high performer, Mm -hmm. the hurdlers want to know. Yeah. So we now have a very systemized process at NeuroAthletics. It's no longer a Louisa just goes in and just does whatever. Um, We've got a team of eight now and this we've really honed in on our process. So we work in three domains. We work in the exercise domain. We then work in the sleep. I also, I call it neurophysiology, brain physiology, and sleep falls underneath that. And then the nutritional domain. These three domains are free really to everybody. Sleep is free, exercise is free, and what you put into your mouth is your decision. So everyone can be working on this stuff. But here's the thing. And this goes back into medicine. You know, you can have five patients who all have multiple sclerosis, MS, but their treatment plans are different because they've all got, you know, different varying types of multiple sclerosis. So it's not just a, well, they've all got MS, so we're we're going to give them all the medication. No, it's they've all got MS, but some of it is accelerating faster. They're at different stages, et cetera. So it becomes their own treatment plan. Just like the brain scan, we find out, What does your brain look like under the microscope and how can we make it better through a nutritional protocol, which is right for your brain, through a um, a sleep protocol that is right for your routine and your brain, and then obviously everything else. So what does it look like? Let's, let's dive. Do you want to dive into these three pillars? Let's do it. Okay. Let's start with exercise. Everybody exercises. Well, 
Mm-hmm. Everybody tries to exercise. I would say that everyone that is listening to this episode right now has some sort of an exercise routine, although at times it may slip a little bit. They care passionately about moving their body. Great. And then I, I always want to know why. Like, are we doing, you know, I gave a talk for, for Tonal uh, a month ago and I spoke about the reasons why we should all be going to the gym to build our brain. Okay, because exercise is one of the fundamental things that you can do for brain performance. So if we split exercise up into aerobic, that's running, cycling, whatever, that is really good for the brain. You're getting increased oxygen to the brain. You're working on these um, capillaries. Okay, you call them capillaries in this in this country. (laughs) Um, So that's going to get increased blood flow and oxygen to the brain. That's that. Then we've also got resistance training, and that's the key driver of so many beneficial things such as for your brain so you can literally stave off alzheimer's disease by 20 years by doing resistance training three times a week so resistance training is so imperative for brain health we get a rapid release of myokines okay they're called muscle-based proteins so what happens when we resistance train is these myokines get released and then they go up, they cross the blood-brain barrier, and they have an effect on our cognitive functions. They also have an effect on the structural process of our brain. So you can grow your brain, literally grow it, just like you grow your bicep by resistance training. Isn't that wild? Like that's really <laughs> wild to me, okay? It's, it's wild. It's wild. The fact that we can, tra- we can change the structure of our brain by resistance training alone, okay? What does more brain tissue mean? Just better cognitive processes, bigger brain, smarter, whatever. Um, <laughs> so we put into place these these resistance training programs for these athletes, hedge fund portfolio managers. Then let's move on to another form. We've got our own pr- proprietary training regime. It's called neuroathletics, literally. It's brain training. So we have different things where you can literally train your brain. We do reaction training exercises. We work with lights. We work with balls, et cetera. So that becomes part of it. Can we also talk about cognitive exercises? Because I think that a lot of us are actually becoming more aware of the benefits of literal brain exercises, whether they be something like the wordle or a crossword. I've been doing a lot more of that as I've gotten older. You know, that's great, but I'm going to get you onto neuroathletics training. Okay. Okay. And it just requires two balls. We actually have them. They're called neuro balls, but my team is like, we should come up with a new word for that. <laughs> um, and it really doesn't take much. You just have to do it five minutes a day and you are growing your brain. So it's literally, if you just get a ball, you're working on your reaction time. You just throw the ball to the wall. Okay. You're also working on hand-eye coordination. Mm -hmm. Then you can do other things such as you can stand on one leg and do it and you're working on balancing and that's involving the cerebellum, an area of your brain, a little little part of your brain at the back. So there's so many different things that you can do to train your brain and we we neglect these because we think what's, you know, we're not going to lose weight by doing this. Okay. Right. So that's the, that's the exercise regime. Then we move on to nutritional and We outsource our nutrition, but the one thing that we do is we do a lot of supplement protocols. And your listeners may be thinking, but Louise, I'm really healthy. I don't really need supplements. And I beg to differ. You know, let's first take, I I think the most crucial thing for your brain when it comes to supplementation and nutrients is omega-3 fish oil. And the reason being is that your brain is actually made of fat predominantly DHA. Now, omega-3 is EPA, DHA, and ALA. So if it's literally made of DHA, you should be refeeding it, that DHA. Mm. Sadly, in um, this country, some of the fish may not be the best thing for you. Your your (laughs) poor grandparents and parents listening to this. Yeah. You know, that's why I go to Greece in the summer and I get the fresh caught, uh, wild caught salmon. But now it's like, you have to be supplementing with omega-3. Right. You want to feed your brain, right? It also lowers cortisol, inflammation, et cetera. So it's, it is the utmost, one of the most important nutrients you can do for your brain. 
It's so interesting hearing all of this. I mean, so many different components to a really beautiful picture of overall wellness. But these days, everyone wants to know what's the easiest, the one fix, the one thing that you can do. And what you're saying is it's not that simple. It's not. No, it's funny. We had a meeting with a branding agency and they're like, Louise, you need to simplify everything. I'm like, no, I can't. Because if I did, then it takes away from what we do you you know i went to school for 10 years to study this structure it shouldn't be easy right you know you go into brain surgery you know you've you've got to understand the brain and it's not easy so i wish i could but it's not that simple <laughs> so um have you ever heard of a sweat test uh yeah i've done one before oh really yes that's amazing we do those for all of our players and the reason being is that because you realize that if you've got just like even a 2% drop in your hydration, it can really negatively affect your reaction time and your attention and your focus. And sadly, a lot of people just hydrate with water. And that's really great. But our brain, okay, so remember how I spoke to you in the last episode about neurons. So we have anywhere from 80 to 100 billion neurons in our brain. They are nerve cells. And the way they communicate with each other is via an action potential. And this action potential has this thing called a sodium-potassium pump. We're dating back to like high school biology here. But what is that? Sodium-potassium pump. Electrolytes. Sodium-potassium. We need to be feeding our neurons with electrolytes. So we do these sweat tests on our athletes to see how much sweat or electrolytes are you burning throughout the day or how much are you getting rid of so they can replace it and optimize it so these are just little things you know this i can i can riff on about a million <laughs> different um nutrients that are really good for your brain for you these days if you took a step back and you looked at your own individual wellness routine would you say that you are quote unquote equally filling up the buckets you're thinking the same amount of priority when it comes to exercise as you are about sleep as you are about maybe like how you're filling your cup up during the day or do you yourself struggle in any of one of these particular areas oh my gosh i mean you could just take one look at me and it would be clear indication that I struggle and I'll, I'll tell you why I never give myself outs but right now in the stage of life that I, I'm going really hard with my company where you know we're in many different um, hedge fund spaces now we're just we're going crazy and I'm spending a lot of time on that and I'm I've taken a back seat with the nutrition pillar and that's probably some sort of like psychological thing. Maybe I need to see someone about that because I, when I get stressed and anxious and freaked out, my tendency isn't to go towards anything such as drugs or alcohol. I've never been inclined to do that. I do turn to food. If I'm really stressed and I'm just, I don't, I can't beat that right now. As in like, Louisa, don't, don't get the muffin. Don't get the chocolate bar. I don't have the mental capacity right now to say no because of where I'm at with my business. So that takes a back seat. But sleep never takes a back seat for me for some reason. I'm just that is my my heart of hearts. Um and I always exercise because if I don't, I will literally uh, I'll fall apart. Mm. My exercise is also not the best. I mean, I train every day. Okay? But it could it be better like me being a, I was a professional athlete I know what I'm capable of mm -hmm. I'm not there either mm -hmm. and it's um in my head it's I'm just going through probably one of the biggest parts of my company we're restructuring a lot and hopefully <laughs> once it gets to where it is I will definitely be back there I think as someone who works with the brain, you also have an awareness of the importance of grace and compassion with yourself as you go through this major life moment for yourself. Yeah. The things that I don't skimp out on is the non-negotiables. I get sunlight every, and I'm also a creature of habit. So every morning you'll see me at the exact same time doing the exact same thing. Always get my sunlight. I'm always feeding my brain with nutrition. I'm always hydrated. Um, I don't, I'm not a drinker. I'm just, I'm just not. So mm -hmm. I'm blessed for that. So I don't have to like, oh, I can't drink tonight. I'm just, I just don't drink. Uh, I don't, I don't take drugs. I don't smoke. So I'm blessed in that aspect. The only bad thing is, and it's not even that bad. I mean, 
it's it is being very mindful of what I'm eating. Mm. So you mentioned the word habit, which I think is something that a lot of people mm. strive to upkeep. They want to have healthy habits. Now, forming routines and creating habits that you can stick with at times can be super challenging. So with your expertise, what would you say to someone who is trying to perhaps start off their day with some healthier habits and they're having a hard time sticking with it? My first thing is I always look at why we do these things called maps. You know, we get it. We literally get a mental map of your habits in the past, the triggers and the routines. And then we put you on a strategy to upgrade those. I always start with why. First of all, what is the habit you're trying to create and why? And if it is just, oh, just to be healthier, it's not going to work. You really have to get to the core and the root of why, which is why I think education is the best thing for anybody and will can solve a, a lot of the world's problems. So if you're trying to get, you know, trying to pick a routine every morning, I would say start small. Don't put so much pressure on your brain. Just start really, it could just be getting up at 7 a.m. That's all you have to do. Just wake up and just go outside. That's it. Let that sink in for 14 days, two weeks then introduce a, a new a new thing on top of that, a new routine. And it could be setting an alarm, drink drink a liter of water by midday. So just start off. I cannot express enough. If you go and put so much, you know, people who are like, okay, I just want to get fit or what are they, is it dry July? Is that a thing? Mm, dry January. Okay. Dry. Dep- certainly not dry July. <laughs> okay. People are not doing a dry summer month. <laughs> uh, I don't know anyone who's really doing that many dry months in this oh, city, but um, it's literally don't put so much pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Just do one thing at a time and yeah. create that habit. Then move on to the next thing. And I love that takeaway of finding your why. It's something mm. that certainly we've touched on on the show before. This idea that if you see someone doing something and it looks cool and that you think that you could also have a good time doing it, like, okay, but ask yourself, is this really a habit or a thing that has purpose for me? Is this something that I feel passionate about? Because if you are taking the charge based on somebody else's fire, then that fire is going to dwindle real quick, real fast. Yeah. But it's that's what it's like in every aspect of life. We see something now on Instagram and we, we want to be that person. We want to wear those clothes. We want to do those things. And you just have to start with examining yourself. I think that's the best thing that I do. Um, one of my routines is I put everything on paper. Um, if you see me and you see my apartment, I've filled up literally, I've p- filled up like tens of thousands of books with just, like, if I've got a thought in my head, I write it down. And um, that's probably the best thing that you can do. I love that. You get it out. You put it out into the yeah. world. Yeah. Anything <laughs> I think about. Wow. Maybe I need to start taking a cue from you. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, as you are building your business, how are you taking care of yourself? What's your self-care routine look like? So it differs from um, Australia and here. So in Australia, I have my apartment. I've got an ice bath there. I'm about to get a, a, my own sauna as well. Oh. So many things are um, available to us Um I've got the beach right at my forefront. So I go out, I exercise every morning, I go to the beach. But let's talk about where we're at right now because all of your listeners aren't in Australia, okay? <laughs> they are they're, not. Whether they're in New York City. One thing that I do is I take time away from my phone, okay? That might sound really simple, but when I say take time away from my phone, I pretend my phone doesn't exist, and it's not in my existence. So I don't see notifications. I don't see other people, etc. I do take care of my sleep and my routines. And I take care of myself in terms of, you know, I, I look at myself as a separate person and I'll look outside of myself and I will literally feel like, Louisa, you are abusing yourself if you eat this. You are abusing yourself if you don't sleep, if you don't think this way and act this way. I'm mindful of the way I talk to myself because that used to be my biggest downfall. So I'm mindful of that. Um, But in terms of self-care, I go and see a physical therapist now. I get dry needling and I literally do that as a a habit every two weeks. Mm. I think that's really important too. 
Yeah. You know, there's just so many different ways that we have the opportunity to take care of ourselves and articulating what feels good for you. Just like we're saying, don't pick up on goals or start getting into things that don't actually make you excited, that don't tie to your why. It's the same with your self-care practice. So just because you see someone that's taking Epsom salt baths and like watching who knows what in their tub, if that's something that you actually dread, then that's not what you need to do for self-care. You need to do what feels right for you and your body. Yeah, absolutely. I've always also started growing my own sprouts. Oh, I love this for you. Yeah. So I grow my own broccoli sprouts and my own monk, like my place is full of sprouts. <laughs> so I eat, um, I eat a lot of sprouts and I love cooking. So I cook for myself. And look, if I'm ever not with anyone, sometimes I take myself out on a date. And I, I know you're that. big on that. I love I love a little solo date yeah. action. I yeah. love a little solo date action. So one of the final topics that I want to chat with you about today is we're talking about high performers, your bread and butter. Also, so many of these individuals under a lot of pressure. Many people listening to this right now can relate mm. to whether it's in the workday or just in life that everything can feel heavy and that they can feel like they are also under a lot of pressure. What would you say to them for tricks or what advice would you offer to people when it comes to staying calm oh, under yeah. pressure? Yeah, yeah, that's a huge one. And it's one that everybody needs to experience. First of all, you have to realize that everything you do on a daily basis is preparing you for that moment of breakdown or is preparing you for that moment of burnout. So what I want everyone to be mindful for is what do I do when I start to panic? Instead of that, okay, because there are multiple strategies that we can talk about, let's track back and reverse engineer it. What can we do to shield us from that? And it all starts with having a you know, you can have a bulletproof brain and body because the more that you shield yourself, the stronger you are, the better that you can stave off these moments of high pressure situations. Because the one thing that you don't want is to say something, we've all been there, say something in a heated moment that you will regret. So every day, getting a morning routine bulletproof morning routine and a bulletproof night routine. And this involves, like I said, going out and getting natural sunlight, but also doing breath work. If you can spend, and I usually say do breath work at around 2 p.m. every day, hmm. if you can, because that's when a lot of people feel a slump in their performance mm -hmm. and they kind of feel like they're going downhill. So if you can take five minutes at 2 p.m. Or, or, or during the day and just sit there in silence and just focus on your breathing, that is going to have a massive effect on your performance and how you react. I've been using this new app called Open. Okay. Have you heard of it? No. There's this app called Open that I've been using and they have a bunch of different breathwork options from ranging from one minute to you could do breathwork for 20 minutes and more, I'm even sure. And I just, it's, I haven't messed it up yet. So maybe <laughs> that's why I like it so much. Yeah. I'm sure there's some mental thing in that. Yeah. And look, you've got to really look at like when you say high precision. So I've got one of my Miami Heat boys. He always says, Louisa, when I go, I'm really clear. But when as soon as he goes on the court, as soon as he hears that whistle, everything comes crashing down in his head. Hmm. Okay. I don't want to let my parents down. I don't want to let the coach down. Don't want to let my team down. So he goes through a lot and he just keeps overthinking, overthinking. One of the strategies we put in place is an anchoring strategy. So this is a, I call it a real-time strategy. So this is not something he shielded, shielded himself from. It happens in the moment. As soon as he starts to overthink on the court, I get him to have a, he performs a, a physical cue such as clicking. Okay. Mm. And as soon as he clicks or as soon as he hits himself, whatever, like slaps his leg, he has to anchor that thought and think of his greatest moment. So we, we have mapped out even photos. I've got him to print out his greatest moments. Okay. And he's literally printed out. So it's embedded in his brain. So as soon as he performs that anchoring technique on the court, he thinks about his greatest moment and then he's immediately changed his thought. I love the idea of an anchor. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a physiological anchor. You can literally perform any cue and anchor it. Mm -hmm. And so you turn that thought around. My life coach taught me to do PQ reps. Oh, what's a PQ rep? Oh, I, am I going to teach you something? <laughs> <laughs> um, I forget what the, the 
actual what it's short for, but basically uh, different like anchoring behaviors, so to speak, that would help you like come back to focusing on this one thing that is aside from your anxiety, similar to just taking some deep breaths and maybe doing a box breath. So Mm. an example of a PQ rep could be rubbing your fingers together for two minutes and solely thinking about the sensation that is happening between your two fingers instead of everything else that's going on your in your day. And so to your point about doing the breath work at 2 p.m., I find myself like stopping and doing a PQ rep at 2 p.m. But see, a lot of people don't think to themselves, you know, you could have a really normal day and you'll be like, I'm really not stressed today. Why would I do that? You know, at 12 p.m., why would I stop and do these PQ reps? And then at 3 p.m., something could happen. Mm. And then they could fire up. And that's happened to me. I've been completely normal, yeah. you know, completely fine. And then something something will happen and I will have the ability to literally, you know, go crazy. So you have to be deliberate with your strategies. You have to be deliberate with your sleep, with what you put in your mouth, mm-hmm. with who you talk to, with who you surround yourself with, from the advice that you take in. I've got a new rule. It was a 2022 rule. I don't take advice from people who who are not doing better than me in that aspect of life. It's like a new thing. And um, that's really hard for some people because as soon as someone gives me unwanted advice, it used to really affect me. But I I caution them. I stop them. I say, how much is your business doing? Are you in business? You're not in business. Don't give me the advice. Cool. Thanks. Oh, my God. I have chills. I'm like excited. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I do want to end this note by saying that anxiety is just a buildup of these unwanted thoughts that are not real, something that you believe to be true that's going to happen in in the future. And one thing that I'm doing right now with myself, because I can fall into a pit of anxious thoughts, we all can, I stop myself and I stop it at it is. Instead of saying, well, my relationship is like this because of X, Y, Z, or I'm in this situation because of X, Y, Z, I just say I'm in this situation. It just is. And then I just stop. It's like a wall. It just is. And you can change it. You can change it. It's the idea. This is how it is now. And it's going to be different in five seconds. And it was different five seconds ago. And all you can do moving forward is the best with what you have in this moment. What excites you right now? What excites me right now is this new opportunity of moving into, you know, we only, like I said, we're only working with NBA and NFL players. Um, I'm very excited about this uh, finance space. I'm really excited to take on Wall Street and go. I want every single hedge fund. I think we looked up, there's 750 hedge funds, give or take, um, in New York City alone. And I want every single one of them to know who we are. What a powerful, powerful statement. That's so amazing. I love it. I love it all. If you had to reflect on the last year and think about some of the best advice that you've received as an entrepreneur, Mm. what would you say that would be? Coming down, if anyone can, you know, if, if you could all watch me, I'm doing like a cone feature. It is really honing in on the one person. You know, I used to think about, you, you think about entrepreneurship, you're like, how many people can I help in the world? And look, instead of just, I, I nailed it down to one person. Who is it? It's that one person. It's like that avatar, right? You come down, it's like, who's your ideal customer avatar? Exactly. It is, yeah. It is that person where one margin or 1% can mean the difference between 30 million and zero. And that's who it was. And I, once I got down to that, cause that can be LeBron, you know, we can increase, we can get him 14 more points per year and he could get an extra $30 million a year. <laughs> um, or it is the, the hedge fund portfolio manager. So it really is getting down to that and honing in on that instead of thinking so big, so wide, it is really going down to being able to put that one person on the head of a pin. When you have an opportunity to offer the listener one piece of advice, they've heard all of your best practice tips for leveling up their personal performance, also staying calm under pressure, getting better sleep, so much goodness in this episode. But you can tell them just like one snippet to get just that 1% better themselves. Mm. What do you lean into? I always lean into you are you. What is happening now probably won't matter in five years. We're all going to die, okay? So none of this really matters, only the legacy that you leave. So if you have any chance and any opportunity 
to work further towards your goals or success or accelerate them, you have to start from the ground up. And that is starting with what Mother Nature has given you. She's giving you the ability to sleep. She's given the ability to drink water, hydrate, and the ability to exercise. You don't, These are all free. They are free. They're just given to you. You have to learn how to manipulate those and start from the ground up, and then you can move on to the next thing. Right now, my friend, you have the opportunity to offer yourself one piece of advice. Looking back on the hurdle moment, which was moving to the United States, you know, you did speak about the difficulties that went hand in hand with having to pivot away from being in triathlon. But I do feel as it pertains to our conversation today that that big change, that big step laid the foundation for all that is what you have going on at this time. So you have an opportunity right now, Louisa, to offer yourself a piece of advice back when you moved to the US, living on couches, learning the subways, looking back on it now. What do you tell yourself? calm down and remember who you are. I think it was very easy for me back then to get caught up in craziness that wasn't who I was. So if I looked back, it is just calm down, center, focus, and move on. And move on. Mm. I'm so grateful for you and your time. I like feel like I need to go back and listen to this episode and take notes. Uh, how do the hurdlers <laughs> keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Give me all of your details. Yes, I'm excited. So go. We have a, a an amazing uh, free newsletter that goes out each week. So you can go and subscribe to that, the Neuroathletics newsletter. Um, you can find that in the bio of my Instagram feed. You can also find the Neuro Experience, which is a weekly newsletter. So you can go and find everything about me really on Instagram. And on the 28th of July, our brand new website gets built. So you'll be able to find our services, which is actually going to be fit for all. It's not going to just be for the uh, the crazy uh, <laughs> high up people. We love it. We love it. Well, I'll make sure to link to all of that in the show notes as well. I'm over at Emily Body and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.